so good to be here today. Everybody, welcome back to the For Sake of Argument podcast. And today we have a couple of guests on. You're also you're used to Red being on, but we have a special guest today. So let's start with the introduction of our special guest, shall we? All right. So allow me to introduce to you a woman so tough that when she was nine centimeters dilated, the doctor didn't think she was in labor because she was too calm. <laughs> I give you my wife, Rue. Oh, what an intro. Thank it you. Is. That, that is a testament to your pain and suffering tolerance. <laughs> and <laughs> thus you've been married for how long? Jabs in early. <laughs> I'm an endurance cut type person, clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a marathon when you're having a baby, isn't it? Absolutely. But it's also, you know, that was kind of an aha moment for me that, wow, I really do have a high pain tolerance. Like I thought I did, but okay, no, really I do. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some things that they've talked about with, um, chemical releases that the body goes through the endorphins and the, and the, you know, everything, mm -hmm. the adrenaline dumps that really help with that. But with a pregnancy, it's so long, you <laughs> like it's going to wear off and you're going to feel it. And yeah. it's just that down to that ability to like, okay, we're in the pain, we're in the suck and yeah. we're going to just push through. Absolutely. It's definitely a mind game for sure. Yeah. Well, and just, yeah. just for a little clarification for anybody uh, listening was that, uh, she was, she was very early. It was, it was not time for right. her to be in labor. Unexpectedly early. Yeah. 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 And so the, the doc did not believe that she was, that she was in labor. She was too calm. And, uh, then it was there, the pelvic examination that they were like, Oh crap, she's nine centimeters. We need to get her over to labor and delivery now. <laughs> yeah. We, we already effaced at that point at all. Um, yes. I mean, yeah. I was already, I was about to transition. Okay. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. From the time we arrived in the lobby to the time our son was born was 40 minutes. How long of a lead up as far as contractions? Was that pretty quick too? A couple days. Okay. So you yeah. had the steady yeah. grow of but contractions. But of course it was way too early. So I just, you know, you don't want to believe that you're going to go into labor that early. You're so. hoping and praying that it's anything but. Yeah. Right. And I had hoped for a natural home birth. So oh, that would have been wonderful. It really was right until I realized, you know what? This kid's early enough that though I could deliver him at home right now, I should get in just in case. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> I he, took it right until I really needed to go. And I was like, okay, no, it's really time. <laughs> and he was a rock star. Like yeah. he, he was only on uh, oxygen from the, uh, the delivery room up to the NICU. And then he was only on a CPAP for like 12 hours or less. Mm -hmm. yeah. So no, he was, you guys had a way better experience than champ. I did. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> uh, my, my little ones, like we didn't know what we'd end up with in the long run, as far as mental health, physical health, yeah. we thought we'd be dealing with all kinds of hurdles. Now, luckily modern day NICUs are really good. Yeah. So when, when I found out you guys were in labor, I was like, Ah, they'll be okay. Yeah. They'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Our midwife kept saying, honestly, you could have had him at home. He was so yeah. healthy, but you just don't know. You don't want to risk it. No. You don't want to find out the hard way. No. Yeah. Were you guys going to do the whole water birth thing too? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. God. Had it all planned, had the whole kit. Yeah. You know, gone through training with the midwife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So this is the first rodeo. So, hey, you guys made the right decision and yeah. I don't think you regret it. So, hey, not that's good. at all. Everyone's safe, healthy and happy. That's all you can hope for. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. nobody told him he was a preemie. No, Ooh, he's, he's he doesn't act like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me introduce Red. Um, we have had him on the show. Obviously, he's he's a key element of our show. But uh, but Red in and this has come up in, in previous conversations. So most people should already kind of know about this. But in an emergency situation, like getting into an accident and having somebody smash into the back of your vehicle at who knows probably 
50 miles an hour at uh, least. I think it was 60 plus at yeah, least. Yeah. And uh, smashing your head against the back windshield and having all kinds of problems, breaking your seat. In the midst of all that, your first response was, oh, I'm awake, but I need to check on other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that uh, that right there kind of typifies your attitude of like, okay, I'm alive and I'm, I'm okay enough. I need to go check on others and figure that out. Yeah. I, I just, that story right there was like, yep. Now that's the kind of mindset that you need going into emergency situations. Yeah. Do a self-check real quick. Rapid trauma assessment. Okay. I'm moving and it's not painful. Okay. Let's get out of this situation because one of the things people forget about you're on an active highway and there's people on the other side that are watching the accident mm-hmm. and they like to get into accidents mm-hmm. and they like to fly over barriers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got to get yourself in a safer position and that first mindset of like, okay, I'm okay enough. I got to check on others and make sure they're all right. That's, that's, uh, I think some people are born with that and some people never feel that they, they see danger and they run, they see danger, they freak out, they scream, they shut down and, uh, it's counterproductive. So that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. And on that uh, note, uh, you know, one of my big moments of truth uh, in relation to who I will be introducing, who you're obviously very familiar with, (laughs) Abrams, um, you know, my first interaction with you in regard to preparedness and safety, particularly mindset was, um, I'm going to hearken back to like way back in the day, but I was having a medical emergency myself and it was like a crime scene, basically <laughs> there was, uh, blood everywhere. You know, I was, I, I just recently had surgery and that wound opened up in a big way. And, uh, in a room filled with hysterical women, uh, <laughs> You came to my rescue, calmed me down, uh, and calmed everyone else down until emergency support could arrive. And, you know, that was, I think you as a maybe 14 or 15 year old. So no small feat for someone your age. It was natural to you. You jumped into action, brought the, you know, energy down to a very calm place and helped me and probably everyone else in that room survive. So, uh, Thank you and uh, welcome to the podcast, Abrams. <laughs> Welcoming the host to welcome, his own podcast. Welcome. I like it. It's it's it's, it's something unique. It's a, right. it's a tradition for us. So That's I right. like it. You know, you know when I thought back to that incident and and walking into the bathroom and and seeing the crime scene, as you said, <laughs> I realized the biggest issue. You know, like the basic understanding I had at first aid at that point was number one, we got to slow the heart rate down because there's blood, mm-hmm. and if we can slow the heart rate down, the bleeding won't be as bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's really heightened, um, that then you don't get the coagulation that you need. You need that. You need whatever's bleeding to be able to stop bleeding. Yeah. Are you are you comfortable talking any more detail about what led to that? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So there was a you had a surgery. It was an oral surgery, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that oral surgery basically stitches tore. Well, it was a tonsillectomy, and, and normally what should happen is eventually those scabs from the tonsillectomy do come off, and it's okay, not a big deal. But I woke up bleeding profusely mm-hmm. and it didn't stop. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. stopping and it wasn't, you know, coagulating to your point. It just, so we ended up finally after, you know, everything was said and done and I was rushed to the hospital. I had lost quite a bit of blood. And I mm-hmm. think what had happened is they kind of nicked a major, not a major, but a significant blood vessel. Blood vessel. So um, it wasn't going to stop unless we got my heart rate down, unless we could Ultimately, we had to get into emergency surgery to have it cauterized. 
So, yeah. And yeah. it's a lot of people when they see an injury to the mouth, to the face, um, they're the worst looking ones mm-hmm. because it's such a vascular area that a small bleed looks 10 times worse. And so it may have been, you know, a half a millimeter cut. Mm-hmm. It may have been something superficial ultimately, but because of the, the pulse and because of the blood pressure and because of, the, you know, where it's at in the mouth being a super moist area, mm-hmm. it's getting washed constantly by the, by everything that's happening. And so I remember kind of coaching you through that and being like, don't cough, don't spit. Don't do anything. Just leave it closed. Try to leave that area closed off mm-hmm. so that you get the best chance of coagulating. And so in order to do that, you got to be able to breathe through your nose. Mm-hmm. And so in order to breathe through your nose, you got to be slow enough breath rate to do that. And so it's like, <laughs> I recognize right off that like, we've got to like get this emergency into like controllable, you know, right. uh, you know, a controllable zone mentally, because if you could control what was happening, mm-hmm. it would, it would ultimately feel empower you a little bit to be like, okay, we've got a solution. We know, you know, where to go from there. And it was still scary because the blood just did not want to stop, but we were slowing it down and we were getting it to the point of like, okay, this is controllable until we get some help here. You right, know? right, right. Um, and like you said, you were a teenager at the time. So did yeah. you get that uh, first aid training from boy scouts or where, where did your knowledge come from in order to respond like that? It's funny enough, it kind of came from a, a mixture of things. I would say I learned a lot more from listening to my father and my uncles discuss um, things. My uncle was a paramedic uh, at the time. And, and even before then, I mean, he'd been a paramedic most of my life. And so he would tell stories of critical situations he dealt with with traumas. Um, and my dad would also talk about it a lot. And I remember going to one of the first really positive memories I had with my dad that was like, I felt like I was coming into manhood, if you will. I was maybe eight or nine years old and there was a, uh, a medical training he was going to. He was putting on a first aid, first response type, you know, course. And we went there and there's a classroom full of adults and he used me to help teach them. And so he would actually have me, you know, teach portions of the, you know, the coursework. And it gave me that confidence of like, Oh, I kind of know this material. I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've seen it in practice. You know, we've had just, you know, little bumps and scrapes and bruises and, you know, little things to, to control throughout our lives, but nothing major. But it also gave me that confidence of like, Oh, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you can get the basic knowledge and understand that your airway, your breathing and your circulation, if those are under control, then everything else is not an emergency, mm. <laughs> you know? And so, There's another critical component here, though, which is that he was the only man in the house for a long time. So you at a young age started to take on that mantle of like the man of the house. You know, you've, I think, felt very responsible for our safety. Oh, definitely. And and that's already been covered in some previous podcasts. But that's obviously walking through the house with a, you know, (laughs) a magazine for a 22 rifle. Like I'm going to do something with it. Oh, my gosh. You never know. You never Some know. people call them clips and they're very scary looking. They, if, if it was a, well, I won't get into that. Some people would have been so scared seeing that, that magazine. They would have just yeah. run. You True. Know? Yeah. I don't think a criminal would. <laughs> I think that anyone, anyone with lesser fear levels than me would have, would have been very concerned about That's that. That's right. But yeah, it did. It was kind of that, there was definitely that piece of like, Hey, we've got to take, uh, uh, this is no knock on any of the other young adults and adults that were there at the time. Love, love these people to pieces. But when it's something unexpected, when you haven't mentally done that rep, mm-hmm. when you haven't thought through how do I deal with an emergency, then you, you are just left to emotionally react. Yeah. And that's, you know, and just like anything else, there are people who are more naturally inclined towards that calm mindset. Now that doesn't mean that you can't train it, that you can't learn it Mm -hmm. and you can't get yourself to a point where you're able to be dependable like that. But there are some people who are more naturally oriented that way. Yeah. So that kind of leads into the first 
part of this topic. And well, let's, so before we, yes, do. exactly. My point was let's, before we go okay. into it, <laughs> let's do some fun things. The first thing I'm going to start is our, our EDC check. And then we're going to get as, as, as red starts going into what we're going to enjoy today as a beverage, we're going to talk about our EDC. EDC is our everyday carry. So red, why don't you give us a rundown of the alcohol and then we'll get that going. All right. So <laughs> today we're going to be doing a scotch, but this is a, uh, actually a, a special run of uh, scotch. So this is uh, the Glen Livet. Uh, Glen Livet is one of my favorite scotches. Um, and keep in mind, there are there are thousands of distilleries in Scotland. I've probably had thirty plus. So anybody You're way have, further down the road than anyone we know. Well, right. yeah, but any, well, not more than I know. But uh, <laughs> we come from different backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, but so anybody who's who's out there listening and thinking that my opinion is worth anything. Um, you might want to find somebody else to listen to, but <laughs> baby steps. Right. So this is, uh, so this is uh Glen Levitt. Um, but this is actually a Glen Levitt that was spent some of its time aging in uh, Caribbean rum barrels. Oh, mm-hmm. so that's unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I never thought about like that. <laughs> yeah. So let me, uh, I actually, I'm going to start doing this now. I've got a little print off to give a little bit more uh, information. So uh, first, just on Glen Livett itself, uh, Glen Livett has always been around moving forward and not remaining still from establishing our distillery in a very remote valley in 1824 to continuously setting new standards. We are now going beyond the rugged Scottish Highlands to discover new influences to complement our smooth and fruity house style. Such as so, smooth and fruity. Smooth and so, fruity. The Caribbean That's Reserve. How you get the girls. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, if you, okay, I'm gonna leave that one alone. It's uh. yep. All right. So, uh, Car- Caribbean Reserve is a sweet tropical twist to the Glenlivet. To create this lively whiskey, our makers finished a portion of the whiskey in barrels which previously held Caribbean rum. The result is a smooth, sweet whiskey, perfect to enjoy with a refreshing uh, mixer or neat just the way you like it what if i want to have an umbrella in it uh well then you should have gone and gotten some umbrellas <laughs> it's a caribbean scotch so right? i think you're good okay no one's gonna like you know <laughs> nobody's gonna judge you to do me. it but okay i'm just saying it's a good that, thing uh, it's not a video podcast yet right i, mean, I don't yeah. have i don't have little umbrellas on hand now who is jorge smith because <laughs> his name's all down the side of the uh, box what Oh, George, George Smith. Gosh. All right. So always serving the lady first. Oh, thanks. But um, what'd you give her? Two finger? So yeah, about two Mm -hmm. fingers. George Smith is actually the uh, founder of Glenlivet Distillery. So Glenlivet was named after the valley where the distillery was was made, Mm. not the gentleman who started it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Actually, a lot of... uh, a lot of uh, scotch distillers like that. I'm excited about this because I love rum. That is like oh. my favorite, you know, drink of choice. If I could, you know, mix it into anything or just yeah. take it straight. So, Red, have you had this before? I have not. So we just opened this with this bottle. I can already today. smell it. So mm-hmm. Glenlivet's Glenlivet's one of my favorite scotches. Whiskey is is my top alcohol and all the variants within there: scotch, rye, bourbon, everything. Um, but rum is my number two. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for this. Okay, here we go. Bottoms up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little young. <laughs> that went all over the place. 
Yeah, it did. I like it. I started down like, oh yeah, oh. it's a scotch. And I was like, oh, whoa, what? Whoa, what? It, it has Wait. a nice, like it finishes like a rum to me. Like the flavor that's lingering to me is a bit rummy, which is nice. Okay. So much more on the fruity side. Let me do this mm-hmm. for you. I'm going to cut it a little bit with okay. some water. That's how they lower the proof. That'll allow you to get less of the burn and still be able to enjoy more of the flavors. So I'm definitely getting some some fruit there, um, some banana, a little bit of spice, like maybe some cinnamon. Oh, yeah, definitely cinnamon. I guess you're right. There is kind of like a banana. But there's definitely something really smooth and fruity about it. Yeah. Okay, that is really... Isn't that nice? I've never had a scotch like that. So if, I don't know if huh. you want to cut yours down a little bit. I'm good with the proof. Oh, I'm good. With, I, okay. love, I love it. No, this reminds me of the time we went to France and we stopped by... Um, we were driving through the countryside in Normandy and saw like this... Uh, I don't know, an orchard. And we were like, yeah. oh, you know what? Let's stop in and we'll try like some fresh cider, da, da, da. So we pull in. This is, <laughs> they have tasting a tasting room. They had signs. They did. But they weren't really like, you know, it wasn't a very popular hot place, you know? Just, they weren't it, used it to tourists. It wasn't no. what you would think of, like what we as Americans are used to for a right. place that, that draws you in tourists to come and, and do uh, tastings and samplings. Mm-hmm. It's like this their was, mud room. No, it this literally <laughs> had a, a, a dirt floor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and the it was just, you know, a farmer and he, he's got his, you know, rubber boots on and he's been working all day and he ushers us in and he welcomes us and he, he lines up the bottles and uh, I'm expecting cider. You and know? he had cider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he kicked it up to like the youngest hard cider that he had. Oh, no, no, no. That <laughs> well, wasn't... it was, it was. Um, Cavados. Cavados. Which is, yeah, their regional specialty. And it's a hard, like, it's this, but one year old. So <laughs> anybody And who, it knocked me in the mouth. I, I, I did not recover for a while. He went from the youngest to the oldest. So by the time we got to the end, I couldn't enjoy it the way I wanted to because I was still really. Like, <laughs> she's not, as, she's not as, uh, as used to the harder liquors. Yeah. But so what, what Cavados is, is so... What uh, what whiskey is is whiskey is essentially you take um, you make a beer and then you take that beer and you then distill, distill it. it and that's what and so it's it's made from from grains and uh, it's made from that uh, that fermented um, liquid that then you distill into um, the fine spirit so the same thing Cavados is the same thing to cider as whiskey is to beer okay so you mm-hmm. take that cider that you've then allowed to ferment and you put it in the still and then you distill off that spirit and then that's the Cavados so it, it is similar to whiskey in the way that it's got a lot of you've got a lot of layers to it mm-hmm. um, it definitely is a little bit harsher it's, it's a much higher proof um, it's a lot thinner than than cider just like whiskey is a lot thinner than beer yeah um, but there's there's a lot of wonderful flavors to it and you definitely taste the apples yeah I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm a little jealous you guys gotta go experience that yeah it was it was a good experience once I got over that initial <laughs> burn yeah that was yeah. that was but in this Normandy is, yeah this is a this is really good, but I, I'm glad that you cut it because yeah, you're right. I'm not used to uh, the harder ones. Did I mention I use rum as a mixer? <laughs> <laughs> and that that's why it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, totally, that's fair. That's fair. We're all a little bit different. I, I kind of like to you know have something to sip on once in a while, but then there's times, yeah, the mixed drinks just need to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. This is the perfect setting for the, for well, the whiskeys and hard alcohol. That very though. first scotch that we, we did 
uh, together was one that I admitted was more of a mixing scotch. I like to mix that with stuff. I don't usually drink it straight. Yeah. Well, let's dive into our subject of the day. And um, not sure. We, oh, we had a title that we figured out as we were discussing this, and Rue kind of stumbled upon it. Do yeah. you remember what our title is? Wait, 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 wait. It's an acronym. RP COVID. There you go. Yes. Woo! I remembered something, which is hard because I have two very small children and, and, and a brain full. Oh my goodness. Yes. So that is, we are tying this. Um, it's their emergency is I think the lead up into the second podcast that we're going to do related to this topic, which is RP COVID, right? Everything's based around this rally point, this idea of like, we, we all came to realize that we need some basic things in place that maybe we hadn't been preparing for adequately before. Mm -hmm. So it's their emergency, I think would sum up the, all the stories that we shared at the very beginning of this podcast. When I walked in, I see Rue having this, you know, hemorrhaging severely from her mouth. That's her emergency. It's not mine. And how do I get her to not worsen the emergency, right? To like help her get into the right mindset, but also control it herself. Cause I can't, the first thing you're taught when you're dealing with a hemorrhage, which is, you know, severe bleeding is to put direct pressure on the wound. Mm -hmm. I can't shove my hand down your throat or you'll stop (laughs) breathing. So, you know, it's like, it was one of those super tricky medical emergencies. Uh, It was technically a trauma, uh, but like you almost have very little you can do. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we even tried to get some ice, didn't we? To try to cool, to try to cool your mouth down. And I think, I think it was coming out at such a rate, honestly, that I couldn't put anything in my mouth. I I was trying to, like you said, close and try to let it coagulate, but it was Mm -hmm. just filling so quickly. Yeah. And the problem is, let's talk about why, why ice and cold compresses will help in that kind of a bleeding situation. Yeah. It's because it always, it constricts the blood vessels. Vasio, instead of dilate, it's, it, it shrinks them. And so if you can shrink those blood vessels, you have a better chance of slowing the bleed and you're given a smaller surface area for the hemoglobin to start the coagulation. And so I I think we had attempted it or we had tried, Mm -hmm. because I remember the ice part in my head. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, we tried ice, but maybe it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I think the ultimate result, though, the best you know option was to try to just not gag. That was the right. hardest problem because this is trying to run down through your sinuses, and it gives you that that reflex of like, oh, I need to get this out. But like trying to not spit and trying to not swallow it mm-hmm. is so difficult, and let that build up. So you you did amazing, Rue. You were like a trooper uh, once you started calming down because you actually weren't as worked up as everybody else there. Yeah, I think you were still like, okay, what do I do? What do right, I, right, give right. me something to do. Yeah, and you so can, you jumped on when I gave you advice. You were like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> right, know? right, right. You can kind of see in someone's eyes too if they're like spinning, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a spot spinning and it's in their eyes. They need some like something to hold on to mentally. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you absolutely did that. You, I think actually kind of rubbed my back really slowly and talked to me through the the situation and what I needed to do. And it brought me down. Yeah. Those de-escalation techniques are really yeah. critical. Um, one of the best ways to de-escalate somebody is so say they're yelling and they're like, ah, you get, you, you go up near that level, but just a little under mm-hmm. and you're trying to get them to listen. And once they can hear you, 
and and you're just a little lower than they are, then they're going to come down to where you're at. Mm-hmm. And if you go a little bit lower, it's going to. And, and next thing you know, we cleared the bathroom out, mm-hmm. <laughs> closed the door. <laughs> no one else is allowed to jack around. You know, yeah. just just one person in and out to talk to EMS, talk to the dispatch, let them know what's going on. But just you know, taking away the anxiety, taking away the the you know the emergency f- component, and try to put in. A, we're going to control this the best that we can mm-hmm. until we can't. Mm-hmm. Right? Because until somebody goes unconscious, I can't intervene. That's basically what I'm waiting for. Is Rue going to go unconscious or am I, am I going to be able to step in and, and, you know, and, and help her until then, you know? So it was kind of a a critical thing. Um, and I think that plays into red when we were talking about your accident too, being able to do that quick self assessment and realize that you're not in an emergency at that point, you're functioning. And there was a point where you turned around and realized like maybe you're bleeding, right? Yeah, no, that wasn't, that wasn't until I got around the front of the truck and I started to feel some pain in the back of my head. But once, like, you know, I, I got hit, I got spun across both lanes of traffic, impacted the guardrail. But, you know, after everything, just, you know, basically making sure, okay, do I feel any pain? No. Does everything work? Yep. Okay. Let me check on the other guy. Yeah. So it was something that, you know, I've definitely heard of people uh, being seriously injured and not realizing right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had it myself happen where I've... I've gotten cuts and scrapes and stuff, and I had no idea until long after the fact. Um, so it was really important to, for me knowing, okay, the vehicle stopped now. I'm, I'm in a safe place because I'm off on the shoulder of the road. Let me make sure that I don't have any broken bones. Both my eyes work. Um, I'm, I'm able to breathe okay. Mm-hmm. And just because if I were to jump out of the car immediately and go check on the other guy, I could worsen a situation that I'm in. Sure. I could, if, mm-hmm. if any potential situation, any sort of injury that I might have, I mean, what if I would have broken my foot in the impact and then <laughs> I get out and immediately put weight on that foot? Like that's, I mean, that could be, I could compound my own casualty. Right. So, and that's something that, you know, I was thinking about this. I got in this stupid accident when I was like, I don't know, 11, 10, 11, somewhere in there. <clears throat> we used to live out in a rural area. And so we were sledding down this big hill. And it was on a roadway and I decided I wanted to go faster than everybody else. And it was one of those metal rail sleds and mm-hmm. there was a little bit of ice and a lot of snow down and there was a good pack. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I got some speed. And I tried to turn cause it tees off at the bottom of this hill and I'm trying to turn and I don't quite make the turn. I end up in the ditch at about, I don't know, probably legitimately 15 to 20 miles an hour with my back smacking the back of it. And I totally lose my breath. Like literally mm-hmm. it's gone and I'm gasping. <laughs> and everybody come everybody comes running up you know like are you okay like just put my hands out don't touch me give me space cuz i'm trying to self assess right if i pass out then by all means come over and help me okay but until then like i need my space like we all react kind of differently to that you know and like we we try to assess and the same thing when when rue when you were dealing with the pregnancy you had that kind of calm demeanor again of like this isn't necessarily my emergency and if i compound this oh, like yeah. you're talking about compounding the casualty oh, yeah. you can easily do that by working yourself up well and it's it's very important that you do a self assessment that you take care of yourself first it's the same reason why they tell you on an airplane if you if they drop the oxygen masks to put yours on before helping out anybody else is because if if you go down too then you're no good to anybody you can't help out yep Well, let's set the stage because uh, we've kind of been talking around uh, the topic for today, right? Uh, Generally speaking, obviously, it's medically related and and really how we 
um, address those emergency situations that come up in life. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, really hit home for me and, and probably for all of us, I know in our family, in our spheres of influence was when COVID really hit those uh, different skill sets that we had or the different ways that we had planned for emergencies really started to come to the surface. Like we had some. And luckily we had a plan period. Like we yeah. all had an idea of, I knew what Rue's resources were. I knew what Red's resources were. I knew what Grizzly's resources were. Mm-hmm. I, I, we knew in the family kind of where everybody was at, but being able to, then we started verbalizing it and we're right. like, hang on, who's got what and what skill sets and what are we missing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. When that, when that thing really started to take off and we noticed that this, this emergency in our country, in our world was serious and it was really going to impact our lives. We kind of had like a coming together of the minds, a conference of our family to assess, Hey, we, we generally speaking think, you know, to your point, uh, Abrams, like I think I know what Red has. I think I know what Rue has. I think I know what Abrams has, but can we confirm and and then assess which family members have needs that need to be met and how can we come together to do that? So I'm, I know we can't be the only family out there that did something to that effect, maybe not exactly the same way, but what it came, what came out of that was, Hey, here's where I have things really set up. Well, here's where I have some gaps. And, uh, you know, certainly for us, I think we've had some, you know, emergency preparedness training. Um, but you know, are we in a place where we feel confident with us, with doing kind of that trauma assessment, taking care of the people around us in an emergent situation? Um, and, and that's, I'm sure what we'll get into a little bit today. Yeah. One of the big things that I think is important <clears throat> that kind of came from this whole COVID situation was I realized that we needed to be cross-trained because as talented as we are individually in our own expertise, if that does not translate to the other people in our network, in our group, in our response, you know, if, if I've got an emergency, who am I calling? If I can't rely on on them having the same level of training that I do, then really I've got nothing. Because if I'm down and I've got children, who's going to take care of them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's going to have the capabilities that I had to provide for them? Right. And that's that's something that goes back to the attitude of the military. So a lot of times, you know, people talk about it with gear. Uh, two is one and one is none. Because if you... If, if something happens to one piece of gear or something that you've got, and then you're, you're completely out that piece of gear. So you have redundancies, you have backups. And this is the same reason why we do cross training and stuff in the Navy and, and other branches I know do it too, is because if I go down in a casualty, then somebody needs to be able to pick up what I was going to do, what what benefit I was going to provide during that situation. Well, and that's why a lot of times you hear like sayings like every sailor is a firefighter, right? right. <laughs> like every marine or rifleman. <laughs> exactly. I wish they would have done that in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's that same idea of like, we've all got to be capable of some of the basic things so that we can provide for each other and, and catch the gaps on the emergencies. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we decided to break the emergencies into a few different sections and the preparedness into a few different sections. And as we were talking about earlier, kind of what do you carry with you on a daily basis? And so let's do a quick rundown. This is going to be super fast. We're going to do an EDC check on each other and figure out what we carry on a daily basis. Now, some of this may be, may be very specific to a situation. Since we are in Rue and Red's home, they have a lot of their, their stuff that's just, they don't have to carry it with them as much. Since I went from home 
to you know them, I'm carrying a whole different set of equipment right. because of the things I'm exposed to. So some of it's going to look very minimal. Some of it's going to look over the top. So <clears throat> there we go. So Rue, what are you carrying? You're going to be sorely disappointed with me today because I'm carrying a pen and my deadly weapon hands is what I'm carrying. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be specific, Rue, earlier she, she had her hair up and I was like, oh, she's carrying an extra pencil. <laughs> she had a pencil shoved in her I hair. I did. But I mean, like as, as a parent, there is like, you have a bag that goes mm-hmm. with you as you leave the house. And so uh, even though you're home and you got your resources right here, don't feel bad that you don't have like a very particular set of things on you at all times. Yeah. You know, cause again, like this is, I want to show the gambit when you're home and you're yeah. comfortable and you've got your partner with you, mm-hmm. you don't, ha- you're not required to, to maintain the same level of uh, readiness. Right. Right. You're, you're able to like, Hey, I've got some reaction time. Oh, there we go. Now, in a matter of 30 <laughs> seconds, in a matter of 30 seconds, yes. Rue was able to arm herself uh, <laughs> while, while being quiet enough to not have it catch on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I'm never very far away from a weapon as True. you can see. So, uh, in almost any room, I can very quickly get to what I need to, uh, to, uh, so address the situation. bad guy shows up. I'm relying on you at this point. Yes. Um, she, she, you want to describe just generally what you have? Yeah. I have a beautiful custom built AR 15, which my husband, uh, really built from the ground up. And then I got to pick the accessories, which sounds mm. super girly, but, um, it did give me kind of that, um, involvement that I wanted with it to make it customized and mine. And I yes. freaking love it. This thing is primarily black and, and a little bit of silver tones, but it's got these beautiful cherry red anodized aluminum yeah. uh, pieces to it that make it look, I don't know, kind of threatening, but also beautiful. <laughs> so uh, hopefully It's like a rose. It's like me. A no. rose with its thorns. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's a phrase in, in Latin that it's ubi uber ebi tuber. But it, it literally translates to every I love road. how you say that in Midwestern. <laughs> I know. Uber, 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 But it basically roughly translates to uh, every rose has its thorn. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that is that is wonderful. And then uh, we will go over to Red. Now, he has taken the, the few seconds needed to uh, directly arm himself for any kind of conflict. So tell me, what is your EDC in home today? Okay, so um, I <laughs> I just grabbed from the closet, just grabbed the uh, the Mossberg 500 right here. So okay, that is universal sound. Yeah. Yes. If you don't know what that sound is, you might want to learn it. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, sound. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's mechanically pleasing. It is. Now, as far as what is in the pockets, Red, okay. what are you what are you carrying today? So I've got my zero tolerance knife. Mm-hmm. Um, love this blade. Uh, this was actually given to me by my father when I graduated from boot camp. Uh, my brother was talking about going to the Marines at the time. Uh, he eventually did, but it was a few years later. Um, but my dad got one for me, one for him and one for himself. And they're all sequentially serial numbered. <laughs> so no matter where we were anywhere in the world, whether my brother and I were both deployed at the same time, no matter what, we were all connected through our knives. Absolutely. So that was uh, pretty cool. This is very special to me. Uh, then I've got a Phoenix uh, PD-35 as uh, my light. Always a good idea to have a light source on you. And uh, this one's great because it's it's got uh, different lumen settings. Mm-hmm. So I think the I think the brightest setting is a thousand, and it goes down to uh, fifty. 
and there's two settings in between. So, you know, you can adjust the light to what you need. Uh, obviously the thousand lumen setting is going to burn through the battery a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes you need that brighter light. And also there are times where, you know, you need, uh, not quite as bright of light, but it's, it's got a good candela as well. It definitely cuts through that photonic barrier. So, uh, then I've got my RFID proof wallet. It's a, uh, phantom. Mm-hmm. So it's that uh, is very cool. We we actually did a little EDC check on each other about a week ago uh, when we had our nephew nice. on with us. But uh, but that wall is really cool. Yeah, Isn't that great. And yeah. This very is low actually profile. it was a gift from Rue. Yes, it was smart. She, I, I did pick it out, Rue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but she got it for me, yeah. and uh, then I think the uh, last EDC thing that I've got is today's challenge coin. Mm. So, uh, yep, always got to have a challenge coin on me. So the challenge coin for today is from Naval Medical Center Portsmouth in Portsmouth, Virginia. So uh, it's got the original uh, medical center on there, which is uh, Building 1. They've got Buildings 2 and 3 there now. Building 1 uh, is the oldest, and it was uh, it's just office buildings and stuff now. All of the, uh, the actual patient care is done in the newer buildings. And then on the back, it's got... Uh, it's just got some uh, memorabilia item, things to annotate the other different uh, bases that are served by Naval Medical Center Portsmouth in that area. There's there's a whole bunch of different uh, they've got. So they've got Damn Neck and then there's an actual uh, base Portsmouth that's detached from the medical center where they have a shipyard. Uh, there's, of course, uh, Newport News Shipyard, Norfolk. Um, Virginia Beach, just a whole bunch of different things there. They've got a plane, they've got uh, helicopters, a sub, um, looks like a destroyer, all of that on the back. Can I just say, watching you go through your EDC, I am reminded again that women do not have pockets. I literally- <laughs> It's not fair. It is not. I have a nine-year-old baby child whose pockets are- did I say nine, what, nine year? Yeah. Oh did. my gosh. No. You said nine year old. <laughs> oh, he's large. He's, he's basically a nine year old in size, but no, mm-hmm. he has pockets that are literally bigger than mine. That's really sad. For a nine month old. Yeah. And, and we're not boy. talking about, we're not talking like proportion wise. No. We're, seriously. Legit. I can stick my fingers deeper into his pockets yeah. than I can into hers. Yeah. Most of women's pants have either fake pockets or one to two inch deep pockets. So there's really not a lot of room for everyday carry and, and we're, we're kind of um, left to leaving things in our purses, which I do not love. So I'm always looking mm-hmm. at and, and uh, red is too for alternatives for me uh, and uh, other women too. It's just a huge gap um, that I, I know more and more companies are starting to address but man, I'm jealous of your, your pockets. So five eleven company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So five eleven actually has started making more casual, um, like gray man style clothing for for guys. Mm-hmm. They do have a feminine a female line. I don't know if they have a female line of the more like casual looking clothes. They've got a uh, they've got like a yoga pant on there that I know that has some, some pockets and stuff on there. Yoga um, pants with pockets. It's hey. hard to conceal a weapon. <laughs> uh, a little bit. <laughs> You're profiling there. I'm smuggling <laughs> something in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, maybe, maybe we should try to get a hold of 511 and say, Hey, you guys need to make uh, female jeans. Yeah. Or maybe they already do. Maybe I just got to look at their, uh, their lineup. Yeah. We'll reassess. Yeah. So is that it as far as your everyday carry? Uh, That's all I've got on me right now. Okay. So mine's going to seem way over the top, but sometimes I'm a little bit of a a gear nerd. So deal with it. All right. 
to start it out, my ensemble, I start with the, the watch, the Apple watch. And that one is somewhat critical, although it is momentary. Like it's only good if we get in, it don't have power and I don't have a way to charge it. And it takes a special charger and I don't carry a special charger all the time. It only lasts 18 hours. Mm. So it's really good for like, you know, communication if need be. It has a walkie talkie function, which is momentarily impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all these cool little features, but it's really just more of a quick time piece. And, you know, I use it for tracking health stats. That's really good. Sometimes you can get, you know, you can track your heart rate throughout the day, track your heart rate variability, track your workouts. It's kind of a nice deal. Then on the other wrist, I'm carrying an actual watch. And I know that seems so redundant. Wait, is that the so silly. same kind of watch that you have read? It's very similar. When he showed it's, me. Is it a G-Shock? Yeah, it is a G-Shock. Nice. Now this so one the same is. same brand. Yeah, it's the it's same even, brand. Uh, yeah, it's even serialed. Because. His bezel, his actual, um, uh, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, band is very different. And the bezel is actually a bit bigger and it has maybe some different functionality. Mm-hmm. The buttons are different, but I've, they both I've got some, I've got some protective hoods over my buttons where you yeah. don't. Yeah. So, um, but I'm wearing the G-Shock because number one, it's just, it's a redundant source of being able to tell time. Um, It has a black face to it so that it doesn't get real reflective. And at night it illuminates a light blue that's like just enough to see, but not enough to like, you know, glare. And that's Mm kind of tactical, if you will. Um, Mine's red. Yeah. His, yeah. Reds is red. Go figure. So I'm the Sith and (laughs) you're the Jedi. Yeah. I'm good with that. (laughs) Thin blue line of uh, time watching. Absolutely. But so I actually carry this, I actually wear this on a regular basis just because it is that redundant piece and I don't really use it for anything other than what's the time, but I got the date on there and I can use it for stopwatch functions as well. Just uh, over the top. I know. So moving to the one thing that a lot of people don't think about that I think is actually a really cool, um, a really cool addition to my EDC is the fact that my belt is a tourniquet. Nice. And what it's a Duluth belt and it's all leather and it's about an inch and a half strap, but it has, uh, it has holes punched all the way through. It's a double, um, double, what do you want to call it? rod uh i don't know what you call it i know i know what you're talking about i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah it has two holes right the the holes are stacked yeah it has two holes and it has two prongs that go through it to tighten the belt down but it literally you can tighten it down to like one inch that's awesome so you could actually use it as a tourniquet i I know it's random but i love the belt it's fully adjustable so if i eat a meal or i don't eat a meal (laughs) it still fits yeah (laughs) so you guys are both gonna feel super dumb right now what why would we feel dumb we're here with a double buckle Double, double buckle, buckle, thank you. Or, or double um, prong. I see that on here too. Prong, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, uh, double buckle. Yeah. Well, we didn't have to use the internet. So <laughs> there's that. Oh, wait. No, never mind. Now it's showing double buckle is something different. So it's oh. double prong. Red, red one to the internet and the internet messed them up. Um, so funny enough, on my right side, I carry th- this knife. Oh. It's, yes, it's a Kershaw. And on my left side, I carry its brother in green. So I have one in orange and one nice. in green. Why? Um, why, why both? One in Because one is none and two is one. Two is one, one is none. That's partially it. Yeah. But the actual side of the other part of this, these are both very thin and I want it thin because I want to be able to draw from my pocket, whether we're talking about my cell phone or we're talking about my personal carry option. And these are super thin and so I have a shorter style blade, but I really like this blade and I've got something on my offhand side anytime I need it, mm-hmm. which is, I know it's so over the top prepared, no. but it's just like, it, it's how I like to carry. Plus it has a little line locker on it so it won't you know open needlessly and it's an assisted blade. 
blade Great. and the blade is really unique. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe red will get a shot of that and put it up on the board. It's a too. little stabby blade, like it, shape wise. Yeah. You could use it for self-defense, but it's so useful for literally everything else too. Like I'll, I'll put my, I'll put my ZT up next to it. Yeah. Cause actually ZT is kind of like the, uh, the Cadillac, uh, of Kershaw. They're, they're made mm -hmm. by the, it's the same company, but ZT is like the, the high end line. Well, yeah. what you're going to see with the ZT too, is that when you have something as an everyday carry, it is going to get a lot of use for a lot of different things. And uh, I've had I know, that one for like 10 years. Right. So his ZT <laughs> gets a lot of use for a lot of things that are definitely not defense related. Mm -hmm. Well, it's um, not my defense knife. Well, yeah. So at the end of the day, it comes back down to like, how do you, you know, do you maintain these? Do you keep mm -hmm. them sharpened? Uh, what does that process look like for you? My, my stuff is, you know, funny enough, all my EDC stuff is usually in really, really good condition. I am super meticulous. Like, look at this, this Apple watch. Mm -hmm. It's got no scrapes or anything. I have no protector on it. I just take really good care of my equipment. Yeah. And so some people tear it up really bad. I, I try to have a specific tool for specific purposes so they don't tear up my nice knives and stuff yeah. like that. And there's no knock on you. Absolutely use that ZT because it's probably a lifetime warranty on it anyway. So if yeah. you ever did get jacked up, just go, hey guys, give me a new one. Well, and I, they're expensive for a reason. They're expensive because they last right because you can put them up to hard use it's the same reason why i got the g-shock i i anything that i get i get so that it's durable and it can stand up to use because i use it i don't baby it this g-shock i'm carrying has been in probably 20 different foot pursuits probably 10 different vehicle chases it has been in water in a struggle it has been in water to save someone's life it has been there like in every crazy situation i've been in i've been on the range this this watch in particular has probably had the recoil of a handgun more than five thousand times just this watch alone That's so awesome. you know they they it, the fact that they call it G-Shock for a reason, it, yeah. can, it can handle the shock. There's lesser watches, but I'm definitely getting into the watch community right now. Like I'm, I've got my eyeball on this particular watch. I'm going to show you guys later. It's just so cool. So I'm <laughs> turning into a bit of a watch nerd. There's yeah, a that's whole my dad watch and my brother. community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad and my brother are definitely watch guys. Mm -hmm. And I actually got my G-Shock from my dad and I'm like, sweet, awesome. It's, I need no other watch great, ever again. That's a great watch. <laughs> I don't have to go out and get any more watches. And yep. both of them stare at me like, what? what why would you do that? There's definitely something to be said for that. Like yeah. uh, this one I have in mind, it may end up being the last watch I have. It syncs up with your phone uh, so that you actually have, you know, real time. And it has a few options that work with your cell phone, but it's not really a smart watch. It's one just watch to rule them all. That's I, think, right. I think we might've just lost some listeners because I said I didn't want another watch. Out of the well, yeah, we're, we're kind of basic, honestly, Red and I like you, you get something that works, you stick with it, you take care of it, you know, we don't tend to look for all the newest and best. Yeah. We, you know, old and trusty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the thing that has probably worn down the most nice. in my entire collection. You can see the, uh, so what I had in God, my, compact. yeah, in my strong side, I carry a Diamondback 380. And it is basically a Glock clone. Uh, it has the same takedown levers and stuff like a Glock would have. It is armed, so I'm being very cautious. Mm -hmm. But it is very similar in size and shape to like a Glock. The Glock <laughs> you know, doesn't carry. make a gun that small. Even no. a 43 so isn't that small. Yeah. yeah, but this company, the guy that uh, started Diamondback, he's out of Florida, but he worked for Glock and helped them design stuff. And he's like, I can do better. I can make a subcompact that people can carry as a pocket gun. So it's six plus one. So there's one in the chamber, then six in the magazine. It's a 380. 
so it's not like it's super powerful, mm -hmm. but this is a get me back to my real weapon system right, right, right. kind of gun. And, and this is like worst case scenario. So this is something I will grab and carry every day. We're carrying a full size firearm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, you find yourself not doing it because right. it's not comfortable. Right. So I'd rather carry something than nothing. So that's well, what I carry. I only every. stopped carrying my compact when I, I had, I had a compact size and I only stopped carrying it when I got too fat. So I need to lose weight <laughs> so I can start carrying again. Yeah. I actually picked up a new light this week. Um, I had a couple of different lights. I had a, um, I think what they call a Streamlight 6P, which is what I used to carry on patrol, but it has a strobe function as well as a you know momentary on button on the back, but it runs off the CR123s. I decided I wanted a rechargeable um, battery and I wanted newer LEDs. And so I got this Olight and it goes from 1150 lumens all the way down to, I think, 100 lumens. So it has several different settings. And then if you triple tap, it goes into the strobe mode. It has to be on and then triple tap. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a very good size. I mean, it's it's really no longer than like, you know, the, the palm of your hand. Uh, and it's really easy to conceal. It's very and, lightweight. Yeah, and it lasts, you know, so far. I basically, I charged it up one time when I first got it. I've used it daily. <laughs> I used it work on the motorcycle yesterday. I've used it for a lot of different things. And it is, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I used the strobe function and I. Red shorted red. out. Yeah. I was looking directly at it. Oh, sorry. I should have warned you. <laughs> um, but you can change the modes pretty simply. And then you can go to the boost nice. mode. And it's, I mean. It's a heck of a little torch. No kidding. So <laughs> you got it on the Aww. low setting? Now? I do have it on the low setting. Okay, uh, I was like, here's the Let's see so your brightest weak. one. I want to see if it's anywhere close to, if they're similar or what. Man. Oh, okay. So mine's so more of a diffuse. Yeah, my, yeah, my hot spot is definitely, it's tighter and it's brighter. Yeah. And my, my hot spot can definitely cut through yours. But yeah. Abrams, yours really lights up the whole room. It's more multi-directional. And I think diffused is the word you right. use, which is yeah. more correct. So yeah. yeah, so I think his, mine's probably a higher candela. So there's more throw. Mine mm -hmm. definitely go farther. Yours, yours is probably better for like a weapon, like carrying is a weapon substitute for a weapon light. Yeah. Mine's definitely like an everyday carry. And then if I really need to see down the trail a ways, mm -hmm. I think it'll still do it. Yeah. I mean, and that's why they're different lights. Different lights have different purposes. I don't, I don't wear a hat all the time, but this is made to fit onto a hat. Really? The clip specifically is designed oh, to see. snap over the, over the cap so you can wear it outwards and great. have it shining out. So, right, <laughs> okay, maybe <laughs> we're going to test this theory out. How do you think my uh, Apple phone uh, flashlight's going to hold up against they, these. Well, the problem is <laughs> they are area lighting only. There's no spot to it and it might give you a little light in the room, but it's, it's you're going to run your battery out and then you won't have anything. So <laughs> as a mom, that, that is an everyday carry necessity. Yeah. That flashlight. Hey, it so actually works. It really does. Look at that. He, wow. And he's wearing like a, a, an Irish flat cap. Yes. Style. So it definitely would work on a he looks like cap. A, a tactical oh golfer right now. I think he's trying <laughs> <laughs> Who's trying to blind his his loved one? Oh my goodness! Oh, and then it, it just revenge for the. Uh, That's right. It's payback for the strobe. So something else I consider to be my EDC is my phone. Yeah. Because I carry it all the time, but specifically my wallet. So what what's changed with my wallet is I carry three items: my ID, my Apple card, Wait, and my debit you carry card. Carry an improvised explosive device. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and then I carry cash. I yeah. try to make sure to carry cash all the time just because you never know what situation you're going to get into. So mm -hmm. I carry that in an Apple wallet. It stays stuck to the back of the phone. And I absolutely love it. I've been Can using this. That? Yeah. I've been using the system for going on well, six months now. I yeah. love this. And I, it's perfect. I think I'm always looking for something that's more compact. I am mm -hmm. really, I have very, two, two children that were born within a year of each other. So they're around the same size. And 
and carrying them both means having no hands available. Mm -hmm. So a purse is really not a great option. And some of the solutions I've found for having a wallet with your phone are not the best. This is awesome. This is an Apple yeah. wallet. Yeah, so it's an Apple wallet. It's a little expensive, but the magnet on it is strong enough no that the kidding. leather ends up acting almost like a glue. Yeah. And I've never had the wallet come off without me telling it to come off and like prying it off. Come off. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't do it when I told it, you. It, it didn't. It's okay. It was listening to me. Now, the only other thing that I carry. <laughs> the only other thing that I carry um, that, that I would consider EDC item or anything you know technical is a multi-tool. I have a SOG multi-tool, but the one I'm carrying today is Leatherman Kick. And um, this is, I actually got this from from Papa Shishaw. And <laughs> <laughs> it is it is absolutely, like I carry it all the time you can see, but it has no wear on it because yeah. I try to like baby all my equipment. Yeah. Uh, but it's pliers, knife, screwdriver, hole punch, uh, can opener, just the basic stuff. And then yeah. I recently, or I ordered a clip for it so I can deep carry it in the pocket. And that's the goal. I'm going to try to like convert this over to like something I can actually carry in the pocket yeah. all the time instead of just having cargo pants and throwing it in there. So you had me fishing around to see if I had my, my Leatherman and I didn't put it <laughs> in these pants. Oh, so. I, fail. I, no, I'm having the same situation here because I don't tend to keep things physically on my body, mm -hmm. but to your point in our home, we have at reach pretty much anything we need. And we also have those, those go bags. We, you know, either in our house or also in our vehicles. So all of these kinds of things I would have with me within reach or, you know, one room over maybe, but yeah. um, it's great that you guys have pockets to carry them with. Pockets are awesome. Yeah. And and I can carry this exact kit, whether I'm in jeans, I can carry even athletic shorts, just because everything, the way everything carries, I can pretty much carry everything except the, uh, right now, everything except the multi-tool. And then, um, you know, but like cargo shorts is kind of, I, I love cargo shorts to kind of solve all the world's problems. So we're gonna break into setting up a first aid kit today. And we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna stretch our legs. We're gonna compile all the stuff so we don't hear rappers the entire time as we're doing stuff. But we'll kind of go through and talk about what we're setting up as like a, what you should carry with you in your vehicle, whether you have children or just use an adult, just to be able to handle minor, minor issues. And then we're gonna break the, we're gonna have additional podcasts in the future with some more family members uh, going over trauma and medical emergency responses and try to build kits around that as well. So be looking for the photographs to pop up on our on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll we'll start going over that stuff here. And shortly. how do they get to the Facebook group? Oh, we didn't even talk about the Facebook. Group. Oh, I know we are right now. Okay, so all right, <laughs> right before we go to break, um, we started a Facebook group, so we wanted to be able and to get some. Yeah, we wanted <laughs> to be able to get some uh, feedback from uh, from the listeners and stuff. So for the sake of argument. Uh, Facebook group. Uh, you do have to answer some questions to get in there. That just kind of keeps out the riffraff. Uh, I, I personally put it because, you know, this is where our Facebook group is a place where we like to encourage um, diversity of thought. And open discussions. Yeah, open discussions, diversity of thought, you know, and, and Facebook doesn't really like that. So in order to keep from getting zucked, we, uh, <laughs> we want to, we have a couple of screening questions that you have to ask and Oh, I have to answer in order to get in and uh, yeah, then we'll, we'll let you in and you guys can check out all of our stuff. We'll have links to, um, to our drinks of the day. Uh, we'll have our pictures. EDC items. Yeah. We'll have pictures of uh, the challenge coins, all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, and, check and it be out. Watching, watching the Facebook page coming up here in a few weeks, there's going to be an addition to that Facebook page. Uh, pretty cool little product that uh, may be coming available. Yeah, so. he's been teasing this to me uh -huh. via text message and uh -huh. refusing to tell me what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Red will really enjoy it. Good deal. So, so For the right. sake of argument, Facebook page. Thanks, guys.